WR News will continue to keep you posted on all the developments as they occurred. This is Lester Smith reporting. Next news as it happens. Next scheduled news at 11 o'clock over WOR, Radio 710, The Talk of New York. And now we join the Gene Shepherd program in progress. And you'll see piles of old used tires that are burning. And little did you realize, but in the night, the Jersey dump has slowly crept up and has absorbed the Richmond Hill or uh, Queens. Is slowly to, and of course, Utopia Parkway, there'll still be a sign saying Utopia Parkway. How long has it been since Utopia Parkway has been, in fact, a utopia? I mean, I think that, that's a great gutty name for a street going through that neighborhood. I mean, you know, uh, it's like, <laughs> like uh, well, uh, it's like, uh, of course, you know, you get used to these things. It's like when I was a kid. One of the great, uh, one of the great problems that happened to me as a kid was the sudden realization that not everybody was honest. I mean, you remember when you discovered that, or do you get that early from watching Bugs Bunny on TV? I mean, <laughs> or sending in box tops. You know, you, you quickly learn when you send in a box top that life isn't what it is advertised to be, and you get this little plastic thing back. Well, one of the first things I ever sent for. Has uh, any of you sent for anything when you were, uh, you know, when you were still, uh, you know, a dreamer? Uh, anybody in the control room there send for anything as a kid? And you got something back, right? Well, no, 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 no. In almost all cases, you do get something back. It's what you get back that causes the disillusionment to settle in quickly. It's like the time that I, I began to collect little license plates. You know, these little license plates you get free if you send in Wheaties box tops. And uh, do you remember them? Have you ever seen them? Great little license plates. It said Utah. And uh, it would have the number on there. They were great little things. The only trouble is, every time I would send in to get the license plate, I got the same license plate. I have 47 California license plates now. And, uh, <laughs> of course, the idea being, naturally... Uh, maybe this was a you know done as a as a technique, uh, you know technique so that the uh, kid keeps everybody in the country keeps getting license plates from California except the kid that lives in California, he gets New York license plates, and uh, he always suspects that if he gets the right box, he's going to finally get Mississippi. Uh, do they still have that state? By the way, I haven't heard of that state in a long. Is Mississippi still like that? And, uh, you know, have you noticed some states seem to disappear into anonymity? Like, uh, for example, uh, South Dakota. Uh, it's just still there, you know. And the people are pretty mad because there's been no publicity recently about it. You know, once in a while the JCs get out and try to stir up some excitement like a frog race or, uh, you know, uh, cow manure throwing contest. You know, they have that. I didn't invent it. I'm sorry. That's the... Big celebration in South Dakota every year, and the mayor of uh, Pierre, South Dakota, won last year. Of course, he was uh, a pro, actually, being a politician. So uh, they're they're trying to uh, <laughs> they're trying to prevent it. Incidentally, I have a letter here which I'm going to read now. If you don't mind, this is part of our uh, process of getting back with it here. Uh, it says, uh, "Dear Shepherd, after listening to your show about corn, which you did a few weeks ago, I compiled a list." of what corny people like as opposed to corn aficionados. 
Uh, you notice in every every issue of a Cosmo, there is a test that you can give yourself. It says, what kind of a lover are you? Exclusive test inside. You've seen those? It's question and answer. Do you blush when you drink Coke? Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, do you snarl at guys at the chock full of nuts when they say they're out of brownies? You know, you check that. Down at the bottom says, if you get over 10, you're fantastic, unbelievable. If you got under 10, forget it. You know, if you got between 3 and 6, you better do something about your skin. Well, um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm uh, an aficionado, I have to say, of corn. I've loved really good dynamic corn for years. I still have my, my uh, souvenir statue. Do you remember when the Paeta came over here? Your call that? It was a big deal. They had it at the, at the New York World Fair and all that. Well, I made certain that I went out and I bought, down at Woolworths, my beautiful multicolored glow-in-the-dark reproduction of the Paeta. And it has an attachment to it that's sticking out the side of it. It is a little imitation marble thermometer, which tells you, you know, whether it's too cold or too hot for the Paeta. And uh, it's kind of nice. I keep that. And uh, <laughs> that'll be worth money one of these days, maybe, you know, 40, 50 cents if you stick with it. But this kind of stuff you have to appreciate, seriously. Like my grandmother, for example. She had on her library table, do you remember when they had library tables, they had these big tables? Now, there was a fact that they had to be faced that almost all houses that had library tables were illiterate. Uh, you know, it's great to have a library table. You don't want a library, though. I mean, you know, with all those dusty books and stuff. And uh, speaking of uh, ducks, this is W.O.R. New York. Uh, just to sort of fit. I don't know why I said that. Just kind of fit there. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, here's the list. Now, how do you fit into this? Uh, it says, the corny person is a fan of Rome. Okay. Snow skiing. Uh-oh, that bug's happy right there. The corny person is a fan of backgammon. The corny person is a fan of Humphrey Bogart. The corny person is a fan of Adidas track shoes. The, for, the corny person is a totally dedicated Johnny Carson fan. The corny person believes in astrology. <laughs> wow. The corny person has a T-shirt and, in fact, often has towels and quite often uh, bathing suits with a picture of Superman on them. The corny person is a fan of Coors beer. The corny person is hung on Switzerland. The corny person enjoys viewing Big Sur. Okay. The corny person owns a $350 French bicycle. 
The corny person would like to own an Edsel. He thinks it would be a great camp thing to drive. And the corny person likes Deep Throat, as well as Sidney Kubrick. <laughs> Sidney Kubrick has made boredom into a major art form. Now, uh, the corn aficionado, now a person who is an aficionado of corn, is a fan of, oh, by the way, here's a good example of corn right here. Tony, please. Uh, a good example of corn right here is any time you hear a time commercial. All right, it's time to stand up and put your hand over your heart. There you go, sing that little national anthem there. The national anthem. You'll own generals or they'll own you. Yes. Sooner or later, you'll own generals. Let's see what they're saying here today. All right, here we are. For over 60 years, great Scott, they've been making general tires. And they've been making them solid and uh, concerned, dynamic, and with great, great love. So uh, get down to your general tires dealer and put concerned tires on your car for the first time. Tires that are concerned about your well-being. Out there in the garage, they think about you and prepare good things for you. So get down to your general tire dealer and sing proudly. Though while we're on the subject of uh, commercials, Olin's rent a car for Chevrolets and other fine cars, including vans. Is that a uh, is that a new brand name of a car? Other fine cars, including vans. Well, um, okay. For reservations and information, call LT one six one six one. You notice that the van has become a major art form. It slowly crept into being as a major form of uh, visual art. Oh, yes. Have you seen the vans, you know, with all the mosaics and the rising suns? And, and by the way, speaking of uh, di disappearing corn, how many of you are ashamed to admit that you have a leather-bound, embossed copy of Jonathan Livingston Seagull? And you're embarrassed about it, and you don't know what the hell to do with it, huh? It's like having the bound works of Norman Vincent Peale. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm just... Uh, do you remember when he was big? Jonathan, whatever. Yeah, boy, that was all about quick. Uh, here today, gone tomorrow. And uh, Jonathan is gone, along with uh, Kahootek, uh, which was also very big at the same... Do you remember Kahootek? See, we're bringing up uh, uh, 1975, uh, uh, 1975 nostalgia. How many of you remember Big Mac? Do you remember those, those great bonds and all those people walking around? And we're going to save New York and all that. Whatever happened to Mac? Of course, uh, McDonald is still in business. Uh, in fact, uh, I, uh, I noticed that uh, already beginning to creep into the very expensive trivia market are uh, McDonald souvenir glasses. Now, you're listening to the owner of a genuine Mayor McCheese glass. Yes, well, that was a hard one to get. See, everyone got the Ronald McDonald glass. But the mayor, McCheese, is a very obscure character in the theology of McDonald's. And uh, <laughs> do, do any of you know what Mayor McCheese was famous for? You don't? Don't you know he drove the bad guys out of McDonald land? You don't? Of course you do. I mean, uh, 
if you're really up to the the commercial theology of our time. All of you remember that. By the way, speaking of new trends in the commercial theology, have you noticed there's a whole state of new commercials on TV where various domestic cars are being advertised loudly by various foreign types? They come the and they sing, Volori! And, uh, you know, the implication being that secretly this car is made in the, in Italy, like the, uh, you know, Maserati and the Ferrari and all those. And uh, have you seen those? That's a new trend, uh, of course. Uh, for a while there, you had the country western types that were selling cars. You know, they'd stand in front of the Pinto and say, Oh, I've been riding on the range with my Pinto today. That's gone. You remember America, hot dogs, Chevrolet, and ding-dongs? You remember that? Of course, uh, things come and go. <laughs> and and, uh, and if, you re- if you really want to be a student of our time, watch the commercials. Oh, yes, they're very important. In fact, now families are being splinted terribly in commercials. For a while, it was all togetherness. And that was a long time ago. You remember when all mother, father, and uh, the two ad kids, you know how cute they are, uh, the two ad kids would be sitting down all eating the same stuff. No, no longer. No, no, families are splintered. For example, you know there's the most recent one where the, the, the daughter says to the girl, Mom, have you tried the whoopee deodorant lately? She says, why? I tried that years ago. She says, Mom, it's different. It's ours now. It's made especially for us. And Mom says, what do you mean, us? Us is our thing. Our, us women. And there's the next scene. You see them coming into the house, and the mother looks real nasty at the husband. And she takes this can of mean deodorant. Uh, oh, she said, mean. It's man stuff. It's mean, bad stuff. See? And uh, she, takes it <laughs> she takes it out. She says, here. She says, you do your thing, and we'll do ours. Family split it again over deodorants of all things. And uh, <laughs> have you seen that commercial? Well, uh, you have to watch them carefully. You get the message if you if you really watch them carefully. Now, now uh, there uh, there's been a whole new spate of commercials where girls are seen hawking trucks. That's a new you know new thing, uh, you know, meaning uh, basically that uh, that what had been heretofore a male area uh, is now slowly slipping out of uh, identity, and you have these beautiful girls with long, flowing blonde hair driving this uh, cab-over-engine white diesel. You know, and she says, she looks right out, she just smiles. And now, uh, conversely, you also have Joe Namath uh, selling pantyhose. So uh, how far this can go, well, it, uh, it gets very interesting. Of course, it reflects directly the, uh, the society that we live in, much closer than the shows do. The shows uh, are never quite as honest as the commercials, because the commercials, you see, basically are uh, are functional. The show is not functional. One thing about a show, it doesn't uh, it doesn't have any function except to be a show, right? Uh, how many of you can actually remember a show more than five or six minutes after you've seen it on television? In fact, I, I <laughs> it, it, a real good test of this. Do you have that deja vu feeling almost eternally when you turn on TV that you've seen that episode before? I mean, they call that the tire squeal scene, where uh, every cop 
show has a scene where they show a car going around the corner with the tires squealing. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's as important to a cop show as the old western, you know, used to have the scene where the guy would ride down the dusty street alone and get off his horse and go into the Silver Dollar. You knew he'd meet Jack Palance in there, right? Well, that was a, that was a mandatory scene. So in the cops and robber shows, the tire squeal scene is a very important scene. And in fact, did you know that there are, there are specialists now, directors who direct only tire squeal scenes and car crashes? See, there are infinite variations on a car going over a cliff and blowing up. Now, you've seen that millions of times on TV, and I'll bet not one of you has ever seen it once in real life. It's a very rare occurrence. One of the, one of the rarest of all uh, automobile accidents is a car going over a cliff. Did you know that? <laughs> Yet it happens like, oh, maybe every five or six minutes on the Rockford file. And, uh, you know, they're just going over. It would be hell to have a house on the bottom of that hill, wouldn't it? And all those cars rolling through your front yard, blowing up, and people screaming. But uh, this, uh, <laughs> this is the part of, uh, of the reason why you can't remember television uh, after you've seen it, because nothing happens on TV the way it happens in real life. And so it causes, uh, it causes you to instantly forget it. It's like it's, uh, you can't remember. How many of you can remember jokes? Let me tell you a joke. I can't remember when they're telling them. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you keep you keep laughing at the wrong time. You know, the, the, the guy says. And... We interrupt the Gene Shepherd program to bring you this further update in connection with the tragic disaster at LaGuardia Airport tonight, in which a powerful bomb explosion that devastated the baggage area in the main terminal at the airport killed at least 12 persons and injured at least 75 others. And that, again, is a change in the casualty figures. There are now at least 12 dead and, again, 75 injured by that bomb explosion that turned the baggage collection area into a scene of total and utter devastation. Police bomb squad detectives scoured the rest of the airport for more bombs because of an anonymous threat that a second device would go off soon after the first, which exploded shortly after 6.30, Detectives are also searching Kennedy Airport for even more possible devices. LaGuardia, LaGuardia is completely closed down, and most areas of the airport were evacuated. Now, the injured have been taken to several hospitals in the Queens area, Elmhurst, Booth, St. John's, Mary Immaculate, and John Scott is at Booth Memorial Hospital, where he has this information in connection with the casualties that were taken to that hospital. John? This is John Scott at Booth Memorial Hospital in Flushing, Queens, which is the hospital of choice after an accident at LaGuardia Airport. I've been talking to Bill Barlow. Mr. Barlow is this assistant director of Booth Memorial Hospital. Mr. Barlow, what do you have in the way of casualties here at the hospital? We actually have seven, and 13 are en route at the moment. For a total of about 20. What is the condition of these seven? fairly good. A number of them have been to the operating room, John, and uh, they seem to be coming through very well. One is on the critical list, but the others, I would say, are holding their own. What are the natures of their, their wounds, their injuries? Some shrapnel wounds. Apparently the explosion uh, actually impelled 
building materials, metal, glass, that kind of thing. How come they were brought here? Well, Booth is about midway between LaGuardia on the one hand and JFK on the other. And uh, we also train the emergency medical technicians from LaGuardia. And so I think that they perhaps uh, first thought is to bring patients to Booth. What was the first notification you received that there had been an accident? When I say you, I mean the hospital. Well, uh, LaGuardia tipped us off, and I'm sure that they did the same thing for all the other hospitals in the in the area of LaGuardia. And what happens then? Well, John, as a regular thing, because of the uh, location of the institution, so close to LaGuardia and to... JFK, we regularly have disaster drills, and this was coded as the real thing, but everything happened just about the way it does in general when we have a disaster drill. We have about eight or ten of these a year. What do you do? How do you respond? Well, all of the uh, administrators and the department heads are obligated to come in. And there are other people in the neighborhood. We have lists of names, and uh, the people in the neighborhood call other people in the neighborhood. And in this way, we have a, a crew of people who are able to transport and uh, do other things. Do you have ambulances sent out immediately? Our ambulances are under the control of uh, the municipal system, and therefore they really only go when they're sent by the police dispatcher. Do we have any idea of the condition of these 13 coming in? We understand that they're pretty bad. I perhaps will be able to, to tell you in another 10 or 15 minutes. That was William Barlow, assistant director of Booth Memorial Hospital in Flushing, Queens. For WOR News, this is John Scott. Officials said that the nature of the injuries was caused by the fact that the tremendous explosion sent flying slabs of plate glass and steel and, and concrete flying all over the area, and that was the reference that Mr. Barlow made to the fact that construction equipment had been impelled by the force of the, of the blast. The explosion touched off a two-alarm fire, and it was out of control for more than 45 minutes before the fire department could bring it under control. WOR's Bob Brady is at Elmhurst Hospital, and he has this further report.
Thank you, Bob. And again, repeating the casualty figures as best they can be determined at this hour, and you can understand the nature of the confusion in a tragic accident of this Detroit. At least 12 are reported dead, and this is the official report from the Port Authority Police, and at least 75 others injured by this tremendously powerful explosion that totally devastated the baggage pickup area shared by three airlines at LaGuardia Airport at the very height of the nighttime rush hour when the area was jammed with people awaiting picking up their baggage at the arrival spot. It still has not been determined exactly where that blast occurred. It is believed to have occurred in the area nearest to the section operated by Transworld Airlines, but the whole area is shared by Eastern Delta and TWA. As you may have heard Roger Skimmonis report earlier, a couple of TWA employees indicated to him that they felt that the bomb had arrived at LaGuardia aboard an incoming flight, had been placed in luggage, and was on the conveyor belt when it exploded. Now the mystery there would be how could it possibly have escaped detection when it was put on the plane at its departure point sometime earlier in the day. We will continue to bring you comprehensive coverage of this tragic disaster at LaGuardia Airport. This is Lester Smith reporting from the WOR Newsroom, where you will join the Gene Shepherd program in progress. What, what pictures are We'll give you a little test to see whether you recognize brands. What's on the Dutch cleanser can? All right. What's on the Mother Oats box? All right, which one has a, uh, <laughs> which one has a, all right, all right, all right, well, let's approach it from another way. What, what product has a small chick, a little chick, a little chicken, a small newly hatched chick on its uh, box? And it's, in fact, just stepped out of an egg on the box. What product is that? What product, I'll ask another one, what product has a, uh, a, uh, a guy that looks like Franklin, Ben Franklin on it? He's wearing a colonial hat. What is that? Correct. Correct. Thank <laughs> George, you're there. All right. <laughs> what? No, no. No, these are all, what, what product? No, no, let's, let's think about it. What, what product has a lady looking into the bottom of a frying pan on it. And it's very shiny. And you can see her face in the frying pan and she's holding up a frying pan in the <laughs> which one? What 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 uh, product has that? Okay. Uh these now you see it, it, the millions have been spent uh, promoting these <laughs> these images, and you don't even know. You know, you know uh, what what product? Uh, here's another one. What what product has a very stylized little character with two arms squeezing an orange? What product is that? Oh, it, it should be pretty obvious what the product is right there. 
And don't say it's some frozen orange juice company. It is not. See, you're, at, you're guessing. You, you, you're obviously guessing. Now, uh, what product, uh, for example, okay, what product has as its uh, symbol Niagara Falls? Okay, you know that one. That's interesting. Everybody knows that one, yet hardly anybody eats it. They all know it. <laughs> okay, what uh, what product? Uh, these these are these are uh, these are really uh, you know for, forever type things. What what product? Or what concern really? It's it's not a product really in this case. What product has in its name? Tea company. Hmm? A and P, right. What does A and P stand for? Atlantic and Pacific. All right. What does, uh, have you seen uh, uh, cookies that have on them stamped NBC? Does this stand for uh, <laughs> National Broadcasting Company? What, what does NBC stand for? National Biscuit what? Company or corporation? Oh, no. Not the same thing at all. Oh, no. Okay, I'll tell you. It's National Biscuit Company. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, what does... Uh, what? What? All right, here's another one. What does Nabisco stand for? Correct. There you go. Right. Uh, now you're getting smart. Okay. Now, <laughs> these are all... You know, the, the instant, uh, instant nostalgia. Now, um, and yet it isn't nostalgia because it's uh, really, you know, it's really about the real stuff. Now, here, before we go any further, let's do this final little commercial we got here. What's this barn? Is it, is it there? It's a cart? Okay, Tony. Uh, let's see, $30 a couple. That means champagne toast, too. Gee, I didn't know they made champagne toast. Is that made in a regular toaster? Well, uh, call the barley corn and find out at YU six one zero eight eight. It's exciting, yeah, I'll tell you. You know, uh, speaking of, uh, uh, how many cars can you name that are named after explorers? Fascinating that cars. Oh no, really, explorers. What? What? Uh, name some of them. Right. <laughs> there are two two types of cars, really, basically. Three types of cars. Cars that are named after explorers, cars that are named after Indians, and uh, cars, yeah, cars that are named after animals. Now there's a new one beginning to creep in. These are cars named after cities. Yes, Aspen. Uh, this is a new, new DLC. The Palm Beach and uh, Newport. The Chrysler Newport. This is a this is a new thing, sneaky. You know, I don't think they're going to have the Plymouth Bronx. Uh, <laughs> although that might be kind of great, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, how about the how about the uh, the new uh, elegant uh, Chrysler Secaucus? Elegant, you know. You can put, make it in chrome letters, a little umlaut over the e, you know. Secaucus, you know. It's kind of the <laughs> But uh, how many how many cars are named after explorers, really? Or, or you know, both past and present, you can think of offhand. All right, the Hudson. <laughs> okay, how about Studebaker? Who is that named after? 
Well, I'll tell you, there was a Studebaker, and he made buggies. Yes, he made... Did you know that the Studebaker, at one point, was the Rolls-Royce of the buggy world? No, they made great buggies in the 19th century. And, uh, yeah, that's true. They really did. No joke. And, uh, <laughs> all right, uh, how many uh, how many cars have been named after that are currently around, currently around, are named after race drivers? You would be surprised to know. You can think of two. Or did you say two minutes? Or did you think of two? Two minutes. Okay. Well, let's put it this way. How about the Chevrolet? Did you know that the Chevrolet is named after a race driver? In fact, he, uh, he was a famous driver at Indianapolis. And uh, a French driver. He did not drive a Chevy, by the way. <laughs> he drove a Renault. In, uh, in the Indianapolis races, and he had such a great name that they named this car after. Louis Chevrolet, his name was. Now, what is the other one? Well, did you know that Henry Ford was a an early race driver and held several records himself, the original Ford? And uh, he drove a Daytona, in fact, and he set a couple of one-mile records down there, and he became famous for his race driving. That's why his car made it. <laughs> now, uh, what? What are? Who was Buick? Yes, there was a Buick, a Mr. Buick. Or did you think they just uh, one day said, "Hey, I got a great idea for a name for a car. How about uh, 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 Buick?" Well, it's named after somebody. Who was Buick? Who was? Uh, uh, who was the Oldsmobile named after? It was named after a Mr. Olds. And in fact, his name is R.E.O. Hence the initials. Say the initials. R.E.O. And what does that say, if you were to say it? Rio. There was also a car named the Rio. And in fact, the Rio trucks are still made. So if you see a bus around that says R.E.O. on it, that's a Rio. And where did Mr. Olds live? Well, you know, it's the, he was the first guy that decided to make cars in fact, he created Michigan. <laughs> he created Detroit, actually. Now, uh, so all these things, you know, are tests of uh, truly, uh, you know, true knowledge of Americana. Uh, do you want to hear some of the other things that uh, that are tests of? Uh, oh, by the way, a, a true corn aficionado uh, is a Dane Clark fan. An aficionado of corn, he goes to see Dane Clark movies while his less uh, uh, sophisticated brother is going out looking for uh, Humphrey Bogart movies. And by the way, all true uh, of corn aficionados are great admirers of the year 1951. <laughs> Incidentally, all true corn aficionados continually buy U.S. Kid tennis shoes as opposed to Adidas. You're thinking about that. By the way, true corn aficionados spend a great deal of time at Carvel. This is nothing like buying a Carvel ice cream cake made in the shape of Abraham Lincoln on Abraham Lincoln's birthday with a chocolate chip for hair, you know, and all that. Yes, so that's, that's true dynamic corn. 
All uh, true corn aficionados enjoy uh, miniature golf. They will play miniature golf at every and all opportunities. Uh, a true uh, aficionado also looks for Judy Holiday movies. Right? You know who Judy Holiday was? No, it doesn't matter. Bring it up. Nobody knows who you are either, so it's all even out. <laughs> Be yourself, buddy. Go ahead. Be yourself. Go on. Yeah, that's right. Throw the TV set out the window. Show You know, too many people, if they were to be themselves, would just go to hell in five minutes. Drinking, yelling, fighting. This is WOR New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation. <laughs>